Hi, I'm Tennille. And I'm Kelsey. And we're financial advisors from Allman Partners True Wealth, bringing you thought-provoking conversations around you, your money and your life on the Wealth Experience Podcast. Joining Tennille and I today, we have a special guest, Barry Lavelli, who's travelled all the way from Canada. He originally started his career as a financial advisor many moons ago now and works now with advisors and individuals to navigate the psychology of retirement. He's also an author of three books, the latest one called So You Think You're Ready to Retire. So Barry, thank you for taking the time to join us today. Thanks. It's my second time here and it's great. We yeah. enjoyed having you here a few years back, but um, yeah, how do you find coming across to Australia? Well, this is my first day of actually working, <laughs> and um, so I'm, I'm, I'm drinking my coffee cup here and I'm shaking, so I, I think I'm still dealing with the jet lag effects, but other than that, I think I'm fine. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely a different experience now that um, we've had such a bit of time off over COVID and Isn't everything. Isn't that weird? So, Isn't yeah. that weird? And you know what it, what it is? Um, I think a lot of people found out what retirement really is because they're sitting at home and every day became Groundhog Day. <laughs> yeah, and, and that happens to a lot of people who retire too. So you got your taste of retirement, folks. That's very true, very true. That's right. So, Barry, a lot of your work is centred around helping people live a life with purpose, and you have a particular focus on that transition to retirement. And we're wondering, what was the key driver and spark in this passion? Was there a real aha moment for you that led you to this career path? I'm always... The idea of living with purpose was something that was drilled into me from a very young age. And I've always operated in that way. Uh, not one seminal moment, I suppose, but it's kind of like everything led to living my own purpose. And as I got older, really believing in what my purpose was. And my purpose actually hasn't changed in 20 or 30 years. You know, we change it over time, but mine's still been the same. And that's uh, to justify my existence to say I lived a life that helped people and I've always been that way and that's really where I am today is just trying to help people mm. you know so they don't name a bridge after me they uh, <laughs> you know so which is quite special because a lot of people you know it takes them a while to find their purpose well, it, we don't normally think like that. Like, did you have a class in kindergarten about, you know, like, we're going to talk to kids about finding your purpose today? <laughs> I mean, we just don't think like that. No, that's, that's right. right. And, and life conspires to make us scramble for the entire length of our life. And people in general are not introspective. They react to what's going on in their lives without understanding how important it is to take control of your life and to live on purpose. Mm. Um, so, uh, you know, one of the great places that you can do that is working with a financial advisor who can help you stay on track by using your money as the guide to living your life. Uh, most financial advisors don't have conversations with their clients where they, they may spend half hour talking about the money part and then, you know, they got 15 minutes left. Let's take 15 minutes and talk about uh, 
talk about your life and what you want. I'm thinking that is ass backwards. Mm. <laughs> it, it really is. Yeah, yeah. It's true. I mean, when you looking through that behavioral finance piece and talking about Maslow's hierarchy of needs, the the number of people that come off that bottom line, that safety line, is so few and far unless you're having really deep, meaningful conversations. Yeah. Um, but how, how uncomfortable is it when you're not used to having those conversations um, in your everyday life? You know, it's something that you've got to build that trust. Well, you know, we, we learned Maslow's hierarchy of needs in uni, mm. basically. And um, I think that people, if they looked at all five elements of it, they and, and you know that will give you purpose mm. if you if you put all those five things together. The need for safety is something that's inherent in all of us, but the need the need to belong comes second. And interesting in the work that I do in retirement, one of the keys to having a successful retirement life is having a, a, a really good social network. And yet the aging process makes us more isolated. Our friends leave, our friends move away, they die. And we end up ultimately left on our own unless you continue to, to need to belong, to have people in your life. Mm. Um, so, you know, um, uh, the rest of the hierarchy is, 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 is also very important. Uh, um, you know, it, ending in at the apex of the pyramid the uh, 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 the need to self-actualize, right? Mm -hmm. You know, we want to be the people that we always intended that we would be, and very, very few people ever get to the last one, the need to self-actualize. But if you self-actualize, that's the combination of, you know, of, of belonging and ego satisfaction and, and, you know, all of those things too. Yep. It's probably a bit of a... Um catch 22 isn't it we probably speak a lot um throughout our own lives saying that i just don't have time you know how have i got time to do those things that are most important to me and now we're talking about a period that we're going well you've got nothing but time perhaps um yeah. what can we what can we do now to to get out there and live the life the way that we want to live it and, and get my you know find what my purpose is and, and challenge myself to go there well if you don't know where you're going i guess any road will get you there right or if you don't know where you're going how will you know when you get there <laughs> Um, the whole concept of living on purpose means that every action is, is an intentional action. Even taking a nap in the afternoon, you know, like, sure, go take a nap. Uh, society has said that taking a nap in the afternoon is, is uh, lazy. Well, you know, it's simply getting yourself set for the next part of what you need to do on your journey. But it's, it's very much living on purpose. Mm. Yeah. So, Barry, you're really good at taking the focus off money when people are thinking about retirement. But for many, retirement is all about having enough money, getting to the finish line, and all of a sudden they're going to be really happy. And oftentimes people will get to that point and they can have a bit of a shock that it's not quite what they imagined when they finally reach that space. Do you think there's any reason why so many people are ill-prepared for that? Well, I, I think people have a hard time putting money in perspective. Um, First of all, if you ask the average person, if they had more money in retirement, will that increase their happiness? And everybody says, yes, it will. And the latest research suggests that it will, in fact, increase your happiness temporarily until you get into a new state of acceptance and then you get just as miserable as you always were. <laughs> um, so 
the question that I always ask my audiences is, is how many people think that money is going to be the key to your happiness in retirement? Everybody sticks up their hand and says, yeah, yeah, it'd be the key. Well, it's, it's a key and it's not the most important of the keys to happiness. So as we think about our retirement, almost exclusively people focus on how much money are you going to have? And financial advisors contribute to that because obviously if I can help you become more successful financially, that I'm going to help your retirement. Now, the only person who's going to help your retirement is you because there's lots of people out there who have lots of money and are miserable. So uh, I think that we have to help people gain perspective on what the keys to happiness are in life. And, uh, and, and work with that. And that gets back into, as you called it, above the line, gets back into how you live your life as opposed to how much money you have. That's yeah. right. That's right. I mean, the, the number of conversations that we have where we've reached that line in the sand and then we're asked, you know, trying to convince people just about that they can retire because... Um, it, what happens beyond there is kind of still a question mark to them. You know, how do I how do I go from this state of drawing success from the working that I was doing, or um, from get, just getting up every day and going going in and seeing the people, like you say, relationships, the people that I that I have spent my life with, maybe. Yeah. Um, so it is really a hard transition for for a lot of people to make. Yeah. Yeah. It, and it's a major end to something without a beginning. Um, and so I always believe that, that it should be a fluid transition. You know, there's not a demarcation line that says, okay, now you're working, now you're retired. You're the same person. Mm. And the things that made you successful when you were working are the same things that will make you successful when you're retired. You may not do the same things. So it's repurposing. It's repurposing. Mm. It's, it's taking your skills, your transferable skills, and changing them into something else. You know, um, I, I tell a story. I, I do some work with a group of uh, lawyers or attorneys in the U.S. Um, and they get together once a year, and they have since law school. And one of the members of the group, Marion, was the number one trial attorney in the city of Chicago. <clears throat> Everybody knew her. She fought the biggest cases. And when she retired, the rest of the group, because she was the first of the group to retire, the rest of the group said, well, how do you handle this now? You know, you're not who you used to be, so how do you handle it? And she said, well, it's interesting because I thought I was going to miss what I did. But she said, you know what I do now? I work as a consultant to the Chicago Catholic School Board, and I help them build programs for kids in the inner city. I work three days a week. I volunteer my time. I'm getting more out of that than I ever got out of practicing trial law. Now, there is a situation where you just take what you've got and you turn it into something that helps make this new life progress. And it's not a new life, it's a different life. Mm -hmm. But the, the, the key here, guys, is, is you've got to keep it going, right? Until, until the final stages, you're on your deathbed, you can, you can leave. But in the meantime, you know, you've got to keep it going somehow. Yep. And Barry, do you have any tips for anyone that they're thinking about, well, what am I going to do in this, this next phase of my life? Where do they start? Because some people don't really know what they want to do. Do you have any tips as to a starting ground for them? Well, I wouldn't want to do anything that's going to make me miserable. 
Uh, and, and I think we've got to look at what is it in our lives that give us pleasure? And some of those, most of them, you could probably turn into a job of some sort. Now, if you don't need the money, you can volunteer. But if you still need to augment your income, as I believe that many will have to do in the future, then find something that takes advantage of things you're good at. So we all in North America make fun of the Walmart greeter. Now, you know, you have Walmart here? Yeah. Okay, so you know you've got the greeters at the door. And, and people say, well, I, I don't ever want to become a Walmart greeter. But Walmart greeters are probably people that enjoy talking to other people. They don't need the money either. And that, you know, and here they are and they're happy and they got a place to go and a place to give them structure and they got a health care plan. Uh, and, and they're just, this was not what they envisaged for themselves when they were trying to make it. But you changed your perspective on who you are and what you do. So here's to the Walmart greeter. <laughs> I hope they didn't replace them with self-serve checkouts like they do over here. Because yeah, well, no, we got them there too. We got them there, but you still got to pass the Walmart greeter who actually <laughs> surreptitiously looks at your bag to see if it all uh, all balances. So, Barry, you've you were speaking before we we went live that you've travelled all around the world talking about this sort of stuff, and you know you've been to the US, you've been to Canada, you've been to the UK, you've been to Singapore. Do you notice any difference? across the different countries around retirement? Do, do certain countries handle it better than others? No, I'm governments handle it differently. <laughs> we always want to know how we stack up, yeah. don't we? <laughs> no, uh, it's funny. You know, I could talk to an audience in Leicester, England, and it would be the same as talking to an audience in Mackay. Because at the core, people are people. Mm-hmm. And, um, uh, y- you know, your reaction, your interaction with your social network and with the government and everything that's going to change everywhere i think but you know people everywhere don't like their government and people everywhere hate their husband and you know i mean like there's all these constants that uh i i can talk about exactly the same thing no matter where i go and because i'm trying to reach people on a different level yeah uh and it's it's not that they automatically go there, but one of the secrets I found over the years, and this is what I'm trying to impart to financial advisors, is you can actually draw people there when they had no intention at all of talking about their lives and the challenges they have and everything else. You know, But you can draw that out, and that's one of the skills that tomorrow's financial advisors are going to have to have. Mm, mm, exactly right. And so I love the fact that you talk about the relationships that people need to have as they move into retirement and, and you know, throughout our entire lives, relationships are key and, and people are people. And I, I love that. Um, you talked a little bit about the 24-7 relationship, and that was one that I wanted to kind of kind of touch on a bit here, because um, if we think about we get up and we go to work every day, work nine to five, or maybe in our local region, we've got quite a lot of mining communities. So they might have um, one, of the, one of the partners might go away for seven days. Um, and we're in this state where it's entirely usual for us to not see the other individual for a large chunk of time. Um, now, we're again, during that line in the sand and saying, okay, let's go and be grey nomads. Let's get in a 20-foot caravan together and be all up in one another's space. And it's just going to be amazing. Um, 
I don't know that that's always the case, though. So do you want to talk a little bit about the 24-7 relationship? Yeah, a lot of people miss this, uh, and they shouldn't when they really think about it. You know, it's the old, I married you for love, but not for lunch. <laughs> so it's this idea that, that, you know, we're the same people, and now we're both retired, and, and we have to deal with each other 24-7. It's an entirely new marriage contract. And couples, in my experience, don't talk enough about what some of those challenges are. I mean, just because she cooked for 40 years, why can't you cook? <laughs> and this idea that um, uh, he wants to take the ute or take the caravan and go off someplace, and he expects that she's going to go with him, you know, or she wants to spend every day down playing cards or whatever it is and, and expects that he's going to be at, at home waiting for her to come home and cook him dinner. I mean... He, um, we've got these relationships that are really weekend relationships mm. and they don't carry on Monday to Friday. Yeah. Mm. So you've got to talk about it. What would we do if I wanted to continue to travel um, once a year and take a trip with the boys? Are you going to be okay with that? Mm. Or, you know, uh, you got to talk about that stuff. Mm. And, and not just on uh, that side of it now too, but also what I see a lot is maybe one person's ready to move into that state and the next person isn't as well. Um, yeah. And so one's kind of getting dragged along or, or forced to do something that they're not quite ready for. So what, what tips do you have in that area? Well, why would they not be ready to do that? That's my question to you. Mm. Um, you know, uh, people get ready at different times and not everybody gets ready. Yeah. And again, this is where I believe in counseling because you're now talking about extended periods of time where you have to, you know, uh, deal with the other person. And, uh, you know, the divorce rate in Australia for, for people over the age of 65 is going to shock a lot of people. That, uh, you know, you get to 65, kids are gone, work career is done, and you got nothing to give to the other person. Mm -hmm. or or back and of course then you get men going through midlife or later midlife crisis and deciding that you know you know they're just perfect for the 20 year old blonde who lives down the street <laughs> um and and you get all sorts of conflict and, and people age differently their appearances change and so there's a lot to get used to uh and i don't find that many marriage counselors that focus just on the transition into retirement. So I actually talk about that in my own sessions, about some of the issues or challenges. Uh, if you get one person that's ready and the other person isn't, you can't make the other person do something. Mm. You know, that's, gonna, that's a recipe for disaster. Um, you know, I tell a story in my, my uh, workshops about my own brother. Um, my own brother lives in Calgary, Canada, and he's a golfer. And he has decided that he's going to buy a big boater home or, or caravan, and he's going to go to Palm Springs every year to play golf. That's, that's retirement. Now, his wife, Shauna, hates the motorhome. He hates what it costs. He didn't even ask her. Hates to drive, hates the desert, hates golf, and, and, and hates Gary. <laughs> and he said, don't worry, she will learn to love it. <laughs> well, no, she won't. And, and you know, you're going to make that marriage work? I, I don't think so. Well, you will, actually, because he'll go off. He's still going to go. Mm. You know, uh, it's her loss. 
and 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 she'll do her own thing and gradually they continue a move that was probably uh you know 20 years in the making anyway and they split off um one of the great things in my period of life is the love that i have for my wife and my wife for me and and you met my wife and lovely lady um but we are so in sync that you know, we complete each other's sentence. I mean, it's really icky, syrupy, oh, <laughs> sweet. <laughs> but I'll tell you, it sure makes life special. You know, I mean, fighting all the time with somebody, I, what's that about? So, yeah. so uh, really, you need to make sure you've got those solid foundations way ahead of the retirement phase. Well, you better understand that that's going to be a necessity because it ain't going to work any other way. Yeah. Mm. You know, so that's and you've right. got to talk about it. Absolutely. Yeah. So, now, interesting though, you guys, as a financial advisor, you are in a position actually to help that process along mm. because you know what the science says about relationships and not going in with the right foundation. And the questions you ask and the strategies you ask them to develop can lead them towards realizing on their own how important it's gonna be for us to be on the same page. You start with figuring out the money, but that then leads to figuring out the lifestyle, to negotiating, to agree on what we're going to do so that the money makes sense. But that you, that really puts you in a position of being a coach as opposed to an advisor. Yeah, we're, we're very lucky that we have people that can put that trust in us because um, it, it is so much about putting the money to the side and going, okay, we've, we've achieved the financial side of it and we have, well, we have a, a roadmap for the financial side of it, but now what's our, what's our life roadmap um, and what are some of those questions that we can sort of be drawing out? Yeah. yeah. Now, you've got to start with the life, though. Start with the life, not start with the money. Uh, and that's something I think a lot of financial advisors miss because the most important thing to them is a firm financial plan. Mm, yeah. But you need a life plan first. And in, in almost all the time, the, the clients don't come into this with a life plan. Right? We just don't think like that. You're right. You're Absolutely. Right, yeah. And I think that's where a lot of people get the value. You know, they go in and see an advisor and I think they don't expect to be having those conversations so soon, you know, almost in your, in your first meetings and... Well, when you think about it, you know, and I, I, I respect the money that, that advisors get paid for the work that they do for people. But going forward with everything online, with most trades or stock transactions or whatever, you can get that for free. What you can't get is understanding and heart. And that's what you're going to get paid for in the future is the understanding and the heart. So you really are moving from advisor to coach. Absolutely. That's great. Yeah. Great, um, great tips for sure. <laughs> um, I wanted to also ask you a question around. So we're talking a, a lot about relationships with individuals. Um, there's this unique relationship that we see that kind of forms out over time between business owners and their baby and their business. Um, so is there anything that you can shed some light on to help business owners in particular? Do you, one, do you think that that is um, any different than somebody that's in an employee-employer relationship? And secondly, um, are there any tips that you can give business owners about, you know, that transition might be longer, might be harder? It's, it, in a lot of cases, is gonna be harder because the relationship a business owner has with his or her business 
is more of a mother, daughter, father, son. And to just quit cold turkey is really tough on business mm -hmm. owners. Uh, if it's a family business, for example, you find the father who has retired but won't leave and let the, let the son or the daughter who's taken over manage the business. Mm -hmm. It has to be a transition. You have to understand that at some point, the time may be right, not always, time may be right for you to move away. And I know you've got your young ones nipping at your heels, getting you to get to leave the business. Uh, but I think that for the young people, they have to be kind too and, and create a role for the person who is selling the business to them to actually feel like they're still involved and, and to respect that. For selling a business to somebody that you don't know, it's just as easy, easy to walk away. Although for in that situation, a business owner who sells her business and, and just tries to walk away, ends up spinning their wheels for quite a long period of time, trying to figure out now who are they and what do they do. And that's something that you guys can help with, helping them understand that let's take a look at what is now and in the future as opposed to what is now and in the past. Mm -hmm. So uh, it's, it, it, I, I think one of the best tips is, is to understand very early that at some point you may want to change your relationship with your business and that you don't want to be dragged out kicking and screaming when the time <laughs> is, your time has come. Uh, and that people should respect your age and your wisdom and that you should stay in your business for as long as you can because for many business owners, that's what keeps them alive. Mm. Mm -hmm. yeah. Some great advice, Barry. <laughs> Absolutely. And I think we could keep talking for hours. So perhaps we get you back on the podcast again at some point in the future, Barry. But if we wanted to get a little bit more content and for some of the listeners, where can we go? Well, um, Something I appreciate is, uh, you know, the, the, the uptake from Almond Partners. There's a lot of the, the work that I have done. And so talk to an Almond Partners advisor and you'll find the conversation is likely to be a lot different than it would be if you go someplace else. So um, I would say that first. Um, uh, I do have a book, um, So You Think You're Ready to Retire. It's actually just being updated, but, um, uh, you know, and it's funny, a lot, a lot of the content changed, uh, new research, etc. but it's, uh, it's still a pretty valuable book. Uh, so I recommend that. You can get that through Amazon. Um, and, um, again, um, I urge you to uh, listen to the podcast because a lot of the podcasts that you guys have told me that you've got planned are all in the same vein about talking about life above the line as opposed to just talking about money. So there's three for you. Excellent. Thank you very much, Barry. It's been a pleasure having you with us. It's great. And then we hope you enjoy the rest of your time this side of the world. I intend to. Excellent. And if you like today's content, as Barry had said, please join us again on the Wealth Experience podcast, where we discuss all things financial health, wealth and happiness. The opinions of the presenters are objectively ascertainable and are not intended to be financial product or personal advice.